0: Working hard for something we don't care about is called stress. Working hard for something we love is called passion. That was a quote from Simon Sinek. Welcome to the Darrell McLean Show. I am Darrell McLean, and this is the Saturday Weekly Rundown.
1: It's a very important day. I'll sign the single biggest economic relief package in American history, and I must say, or any other package, by the way. It's twice as large as any relief ever signed. It's uh, 2.2 billion, but it actually goes up to 6.2, potentially, billion dollars, trillion dollars. So you're talking about a $6.2 trillion bill, nothing like that, and this will deliver urgently needed relief to our nation's families, workers, and businesses, and uh, that's what this is all about. And it got a 96 to nothing. And I don't know, what was the number in uh, Congress? What boys was the, number the, number the, number? the, the voice wow. that's yeah. fantastic no, just as close. That's pretty amazing. That's about the same thing, right, Kevin? Yes. So that's fantastic. But I want to thank Republicans and Democrats for coming together, setting aside their differences, and putting America first. This legislation provides for direct payments to individuals and unprecedented support to small businesses. We're going to keep our small businesses strong and our big businesses strong. And that's keeping our country strong and our jobs strong. This historic bill includes the following. $300 billion in direct cash payments will be available to every American citizen earning less than $99,000 per year. $3,400 for a typical family of four. So family of four, $3,400 and then $350 billion in job retention loans for small businesses with loan forgiveness available for businesses that continue paying their workers. The workers get paid approximately $250 billion in expanded unemployment benefits. The average worker who has lost his or her job will receive 100% of their salary for up to four full months. So things like this have never happened in our country. $500 billion in support for hard-hit industries with a ban on corporate stock buybacks. We don't let them buy back the stock. We don't let that happen. And tough limits on executive compensation. Over $100 billion to support our heroic doctors, nurses, and hospitals. And you see what's happening. And I want to thank, while we're here, also the incredible job that's done by the Army Corps of Engineers and by FEMA. It's been incredible. The did four hospitals in two days or three days in New York, and they're, like, incredible structures. What a job they've been doing, and they're doing them all over the country. $45 billion for the Disaster Relief Fund, supporting our state, local, and tribal leaders. $27 billion for the development of vaccines, therapies, and other public health response efforts, including $16 billion to build up the Strategic National stockpile with critical stockpiles and I'm going to we have uh, tremendous supplies coming into the stockpile and you'll be seeing that and hearing about it a little bit because we're doing a, a news conference at 5:30 on what's happening we've had tremendous uh, results on the respirators we've had great results on uh, just about everything we're talking about. Uh, Boeing just announced that they're going to be making the plastic face shields, the actual shields, which are hard to come by, and they're going to be making them by the thousands a week. And uh, the ventilators, which is probably the most difficult because it's like it's like building a car. Uh, We will be announcing thousands uh, of are going to be built and we have them under contract and uh, we have fast deliveries. As you know, we delivered thousands to new york and unfortunately they were delivered to a warehouse which was good unfortunately they didn't take them but now they're taking them new york is now taking them and uh, redistributing them around the areas that they need so you have also 3.5 billion dollars to states to expand child care benefits for health care workers first responders and others on the front lines of this crisis and one billion dollars for securing supplies under the defense Protection Act, and as you know, I've uh, enacted the act. We've used it uh, three or four times. I pulled it back three times because uh, the companies came through in the end. They didn't need the act. It's been great leverage. I have instituted it against General Electric. We thought we had a deal for 40,000 ventilators, and all of a sudden the 40,000 came down to 6,000. And uh, then they talked about a higher price that we were discussing, so I didn't like it. Uh, so we did. Uh, We did activate it with respect to General Motors, and hopefully, maybe we won't even need the full activation, we'll find out, but we need the ventilators. Um, I said hello today, I called him uh, a wonderful guy, Boris Johnson, as you know, he tested positive, and before he even said hello, he said, we need ventilators. I said, wow, that's a big statement, and hopefully he's going to be in good shape. I just spoke to Angela Merkel, and uh, she's quarantined also. She is right now uh, for a period of two weeks uh, being forced to stay in her house. So this is just an incredible situation. Last night, I spoke to President Xi. We talked about uh, the experience that they had in China and all of the things that have taken place, and we uh, we learn a lot. They've had a, a very tough experience, and... Uh, they're doing well and he's doing well president xi is doing very well but we learned a lot and we have great communication together Uh, we're going to be sent great data from china things that happened that they see that uh you know they've had a they've had an early experience and uh, we're getting all of that information much of it has already been sent to was sent yesterday and sent to our scientists to to study So we'll have more on that also. We'll be discussing that at 5.30. Uh, I just want to thank the people behind me. They've been incredible friends. They've been warriors. uh, There's nobody tougher or smarter than the people standing alongside of me. And I think I want to start off by asking uh, Mitch and then Kevin to speak, and then we're going to go through a few of the folks in the room if they'd like to say something. But, Mitch, I'd I'd love you to say a few words because you... uh, this man worked 24 hours a day for a long time. This is the result. It's the biggest ever, ever approved in Congress. 6.2 billion, 6.2 trillion dollars. So, you know, we used to get used to the billion. It used to be million, then it was million, now it's trillion. And uh, it's going to go a long way. It's going to make a lot of people very happy. Mitch.
0: So as we just heard, the president has signed the stimulus package somewhat calming the markets a bit from the huge economic impact of the coronavirus as you heard it was a two trillion dollar coronavirus relief bill that was passed on yesterday because the washington is trying to blunt the economic destruction from the pandemic ripping through the united states The House earlier had passed a stimulus package to believe to be the largest in US history by voice vote, which simply measures more lawmakers shout A or nay. Rep Thomas Massey of Kentucky tried to force a full yes or no vote on the measure, which could have pushed back the approval by hours. It irritated a lot of the House members, so they rushed back to Washington in cars and near-empty planes to head off his efforts, and some eviscerated him for risking their safety. The president called Massey a third-weight grandstander on Twitter and said he should be booted from the Republican Party. Now, the plan includes one-time payments to individuals. It strengthened unemployment insurance and additional health care funding and loans and grants to businesses, in the hopes that it may deter layoffs. The Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, described the bill as a mitigation of pandemic destruction predicting Congress will draft more plans in the future to continue to aid the recovery. The U.S. unfortunately has more than 100,000 coronavirus cases, the most in the world, and that's according to the data that was recently compiled by John Hopkins University. And as of this morning, we now have at least 1,380 deaths in the U.S. that have been linked to COVID-19. Now, of course, like I said on the show yesterday, anytime you have huge bills like this, it's extremely difficult to get everything that's in the bill. You have unanimous votes in the House and virtually the same thing in the Senate. So that basically means that everybody was going to get something. So there's a lot in the bill to like, and there will be a lot in the bill not to like of as well. A lot of people are already outraged by the five hundred billion dollars has they're seen as handouts to corporations who they people believe should be able to stay afloat on their own and juxtapose with the one-time payments to workers who people are now saying what happens after the one time payment is spent. Um hopefully you know this was a good stepping point in the right direction and I hope that Speaker Pelosi keeps her word and they keep abreast of the situation and do more significant legislation to keep the American ship afloat. Keep in mind this is uncharted territories with the 3 million plus people filing for unemployment insurance so we have to really really um, watch how this economy is going to work. Like I said previously in the week the normal highest number for that was 650,000 unemployment claims, and that was in 1982. That was the record in 1982. The new record is now 3 million unemployment claims. The U.S. economy has not been designed, is not designed, to come to full stop like this. And that has led many of the leading economists to debate if we are currently in a recession or if we will have a recession if the U.S. has another bad quarter like the one we seem to be having. The president is in my hometown right now. He is in Norfolk, Virginia, because the USNS Comfort is leaving Virginia to depart to New York to help with the coronavirus outbreak. New York has been hit hard by the coronavirus, with more than a third of the country's cases being in New York, which is in partial lockdown mode for a week as officials try to slow the spread of the virus and hospitals scramble to keep up with the patients streaming. Earlier this week, I reported on the story of the young woman who came forward saying that the presidential candidate and Vice President Joe Biden had sexually assaulted her and that story has now caused a firestorm of controversy for the presidential candidate. Last year several women came forward publicly saying Joe Biden had kissed and touched him in ways that made them feel very uncomfortable and one of them was the young lady who is claiming sexual assault Miss Tara Read, she said. Joe Biden put the hands on her shoulders, and ran his fingers down her neck when she worked for him in the Senate offices in nineteen ninety three. If you listen to the full interview with podcaster host Katie Halper, she describes a lot more than that, which which um, is basically a full sexual assault she is now alleging against the presidential candidate, Vice President Joe Biden. Now, last year, a few days after women began coming forward with reports of inappropriate touching by the Vice President, he issued a statement saying social norms have begun to change around people's personal space and that he would be more mindful of boundaries in the future. Reed says she did not speak publicly about her allegations of sexual assault before in part because there was no one that witnessed the incident, while she also says others saw Biden harassing her. She also says she's faced online harassment after coming forward last year. And it was reported by The Intercept's journalist, Ryan Grimm, that journalists and others had questioned her credibility, pointing out favorable comments she made about Vladimir Putin in 2018. And, of course, implying that she was a Russian plant. Because it is a political season, the allegation has further inflamed tensions between supporters of Biden and Senator Bernie Sanders. Reid said she initially supported Elizabeth Warren for president and also supported Marion Wilson, but is now a supporter of Bernie Sanders. And that is according to Vox.com. She also acknowledged that her allegation could benefit Trump in the general election since Biden is the likely Democratic nominee. And of course, as we know, the president himself has been accused of sexual harassment or sexual misconduct by more than 20 women and is actually now being sued for defamation by two of those women. Reid says she does not want Trump to be president, but she will not be voting for Biden if he is my president, she, I just can't fathom it, she said. You could read this story in full by following Ryan Grimm over at The Intercept, uh, following Katie Halper, who did a interview, or by going to Vox.com, who also just wrote an article about the matter. A personal antidote on stories like this. Ryan Grimm is the same reporter who found the stories for the Supreme Court justice Dr. Brett Kavanaugh and Dr. Blasey Ford. The what you would consider the left took that story from Ryan Grimm and we do remember it came up in the Kavanaugh Supreme Court nominations. I do not know what happened between Joe Biden and Miss Reed, but I do understand that the standards should be applied across the board the same way. If the stories that Ryan Grimm released about Dr. Blasey Ford were credible, I would like to understand why now the same standard is not being applied to Joe Biden. If Brett Kavanaugh had to come up for and bring his family and sit and be grilled by the Senate, and Dr. Blasey Ford had to come and bring her family and be grilled by lawmakers. I do not understand why there is a different standard for Joe Biden. Everybody is innocent into proven guilty. But this is, of course, not a legal matter. This is all based on public opinion now. Unless Ms. Reed is going to file some type of Assault claim with the Department of Justice. When it comes to Joe Biden's behavior that some people are seeing as inappropriate, I do recognize this is a conversation and a trend that's been going on in this country for a while now. The Me Too era is here, and people need to take notice. Chris Matthews just had to resign from his job a few weeks ago. And he resigned by saying comments that we used to make were not okay then and they're not okay now. We've seen Chris Matthews, Matt Lohr, Tom Brokaw, and Charlie Rose, Mark Halperin, and Charles Weinstein just to name a few all be taken down in the Me Too era I don't think that it is appropriate for us to ignore these types of things it's time for us to have open and honest conversations about men and women and how roles have changed in society and how we all need to respond to that This is very complicated stuff. I was in the United States Navy and we didn't always get this kind of things right. I think the stories have been out for years about all the sexual assault allegations in the United States military. And the same can be said for some workplaces. But we do have to figure this out. Not every comment that has been made is inappropriate but not every comment that has been made is appropriate so let's have this conversation and let's have it out in the open and let's have one set of rules for everyone sexual assault allegations sexual harassment allegations should not be a partisan issue Either Donald Trump assaulted those women, or he didn't. Either Bill Clinton assaulted those women, or he didn't. Either Joe Biden assaulted this woman, or he didn't. These conversations should not be based on just politics. They should be wrapped around logic, facts, and what actually happened. Lives are ruined by this type of thing on both sides. A false accusation can destroy a life. And an accusation that's true that goes dismissed can destroy a life. Let's be adults about this situation. Let's figure this out. And let's not get in the habit of using sexual assault allegations as a sort of political football that we toss around anytime it's politically convenient.